Hello, and welcome to episode 13. In this Off the Beaten Path series, Traveling Off the Beaten Path, this is your host, Angie Romano. Today, I'll be discussing Venezuela. I try to jump back from the U.S., to different countries kind of give it um, a little bit of flair <laughs> um, there are let's see, that's like six places and then I have two places that I want to highlight out of the I'm back. So there's six places. Let me just reiterate six places on the list. And I have two places I highlighted. One of them is on the list, one is not. Okay, so this should be a nice short podcast as well as my last uh, episode. Um, all right, so in Arabanti, Venezuela, it's uh, called the Drowned Church of Potosi. It's a town church once nearly submerged by the damming of a river. It is now hauntingly visible as the water recedes. The picture is just, it looks amazing. I would definitely love to go see that. Um, it's just like top of the church is jutting out of the water um, and across on top of the top. Sorry, these interruptions are killing me. Okay, so anyway, it's a pretty neat looking picture of this. Um, With the cross coming out off the top of the, off the top of the top of the church. Um, moving right along to number two, um, called the Grand Sabana. Oh, in Grand Sabana, Venezuela, it's called Mount Roraima. It's, it's a floating island. Plateau sits 7,671 feet above the forest floor. Um, in uh, what part of Venezuela is this? I don't say. Okay. Um, next place is called Relampago del Caratumba. Tumbo. Um, it's the everlasting lightning storm, and it may be the world's largest generator of ozone. I believe this is one of the spots I'm highlighting. Um, next up is Karamoto Ice Cream Shop. It's the world's largest uh, menu of ice cream flavors, ranging from delightful to downright bizarre. 
um, in Sucre, Venezuela, the Saras Saranama, that's massive sinkholes on a mountain in one of the most remote places in Venezuela. Um, in Caracas, Venezuela, a place known as Dr. Gottfried Noach and his mummies. Um, I think there was a little description. I thought I had a little description of that. I guess I do not. Let me just double check this here. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, it's um, it was once a laboratory for this doctor where he made embalming fluid for like mummies I don't I don't remember exactly or if he was um people he mummified I'm not really sure um but it looks really creepy and um it's abandoned and everything so right away I think okay maybe it's on it and I want to see it <laughs> um that's why it's on the list okay so the place that is that I'm highlighting, talking a little bit more about, and it's on the list, is that um, lightning storm that may be the world's largest generator of ozone. Um, there's something strange in the air where the Catatumbo River flows into Lake Maracaibo in Venezuela. For 140 to 160 nights out of the year, 10 hours at a time, the sky above the river is pierced by almost constant lightning. Um, I was just watching a video on... That's crazy. Cause I just saw a video on Facebook. I've seen this video before, but um, it's um, somebody captured lightning hitting water and what actually happens. It's like, it's like a... Bomb, oh, it's like a few bombs going off in the water. It's just really crazy. Um, crazy looking. But um, this river is said to be pierced by constant lightning. Okay, maybe I don't know if it's such a safe place to visit. Um, but definitely neat to talk about at least. Um, The lightning produces as many as 280 strikes per hour, known as the Relamp Relampago del Catatumbo. This lightning storm has been raging on and off for as long as people can remember. It was first written about in the 1597 poem called the um, Dragon Tea. It's by Lope de Vega. The Vega tells of Sir Francis Drake's 1595 attempt to take the city of Maracaibo by night, only to have his plans foiled when the lightning storms flashed and the lightning storms flashes gave away his position to the city's defenders. And this happened again on July 24th, 1823, when during the Venezuelan War of Independence, Spanish ships were revealed by lightning and defeated by Simone Bolivar's upstart navy. 
In fact, the lightning visible from 400 kilometers away is so regular that it's been used as a navigation aid by ships and is known among sailors as the Maracaibo Beacon. Interestingly, generally little, general, generally little to no sound accompanies the light show. And as the lightning moves from cloud to cloud, far, far above the ground, still no sound is heard. Um, for many years, it was unknown exactly why this area and this area alone should produce such lightning. One theory was um, that ionized methane gas rising from the Katumbo bogs met with storm clouds coming down from the Andes, helping to create the perfect conditions for a lightning storm. Now, though, scientists attribute the lightning to a regular low-lying air current coming from the Caribbean. They've set up an early warning system based on the forecast when the lightning storms will come. With a total of roughly 1.2 million lightning discharges per year, um, Relampago del Catatumbo is thought to be the world's greatest producer of ozone. As the lightning rips through the air, it produces nitrogen oxide, which is broken down by sunlight and converted into ozone. It is unclear, however, whether these molecules ever end up in the protective ozone layer high above the planet. Interesting. Alright, the next highlighted area is called El Monumento a la Paz. Dr. Farid Madar's Monument of Peace. Um, the Monument for the Peace was erected by Dr. Farid Matar in 1963 and was an ecologic, ecological monument and a tribute, tribute to re recycling. Um, constructed only with stone and leftovers from construction sites all over the city, um, the city of Caracas. Each stone was placed, according to Matar's own words, in the name of each Venezuelan new uh, newborn boy or girl, boy and girl. Matar, who is Lebanese, had El Monumento a la Paz represent Venezuela in the international meeting of world. Lebanese Culture Union, instituted to promote the culture, cultural aspects of the Lebanese people throughout the world, of which he is a founder. The monument is located in the city of Caracas, Venezuela, in Colinas de Belo Monte, where Matar lives, and where he started construction in 1963 of the Monument for the Peace. A unique work, it is the temple of understanding and that wraps it up for venezuela get up get out and get traveling have a good night hello and welcome this is the 14th episode of off the beaten path so I was on a hiatus, I guess you could say. Um, my printer wasn't working. Um, 
and then it took a little while to get it get the new one hooked up you know, get the new one at the door um, you know in the mail and then it getting it hooked up um, finally hooked up and then uh, it's just a rough start to getting back on track uh, but I'm back and ready to talk about Maine um, now when I get off track it's really hard for me to get back on track so that's why like I could have started this back up again like sooner but um, it's just been crazy busy and um, so like the info that I have for Maine might not be a whole lot um, but let me just go ahead and dive in and give you what I got. Uh, okay, so first place I have is, um, <clears throat> now it didn't really seem like Maine had a whole lot. Um, I do know that the best time for me anyway, um, would be around this time to go because <clears throat> you can uh, you know especially if you're on the east coast and want mine taking the road trip up north um, it's a very scenic drive I have a couple friends who um, go there or have taken the road trip and um, they loved it uh, a friend of mine uh, named Caroline, she uh, got married in October, so well, I, I remember, I don't know if she's been back, but I remember the one year she uh, went there for like, you know, her anniversary, um, drove up, I think she probably had some other stops than Maine, but the New England states, um, my family goes to Vermont, or you we used to, we don't, we haven't in a while, um, I have family in Vermont, um, and we usually go in the summertime, so I never really got to see it in the fall, never got to see all the foliage and all that, um, I have been in there, I have been there in February, and let me tell you, it is freezing, <laughs> freezing cold, oh my goodness, um, I was there in February for my grandfather's funeral, and I'll just, I was, I was real little too, real young, I, um, that, that trip definitely stands out to me, because, uh, it was crazy, we were at the, um, graveyard site, it was like, snow and all this kind of stuff, um, quick little story, um, when my brother had a Camaro at the time, and cars back then had carburetors, and, um, I'll just remember them with hair dryers on the carburetor, because the car wouldn't start. Yeah, so, very cold, very cold up that way, um, I definitely would not 
if I was a skier, maybe, but uh, I definitely would not go back there in February. February is the worst month there. It's, like, the coldest. Um, but anyway, moving along with Maine. Um, a lot of these places, this is what I mean by getting back into it, because I wouldn't normally have these certain places in here, because I don't know how many people would even really be interested in some of these places, but... Hey, maybe there are somebody, there are some, some of you out there that will be interested. So, um, the first one is in Portland, Maine. Uh, it's called International Cryptozoology Museum. <laughs> um, it's the world's only international cryptozoology museum. Uh, it's host to an unrivaled collection of cryptid specimens. Not 100% on what all that means. What I do know is, I'm thinking it's a museum of just weird things. You know, uh, like the picture shows. Um, I don't know. I guess it's like a rendition of Bigfoot or something. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, not someplace I would go. But. Um, we're doing uh, unusual, like that's kind of the genre of my um, topic, so uh, that's the first place. And the second one I have is um, in Bangor, Maine. It is Stephen King's house. Um, this, I would, I would definitely go see um, I like horror and I'm also a writer um, the eccentric mansion of one of the most popular horror authors of modern times I tried reading Stephen King's books years ago couldn't really get into them because he is very uh he's a very complex author like you really have to kind of be somewhat advanced in um literary works if you will um to understand his writing but I'm gonna try again because I've been kind of like educating myself a little bit so, um, and like I said, that was years ago, so maybe I would understand it now, but, um, I was more of a, like, I, I could understand Dean Koontz, he, um, I read a couple of his books, and he's not as, um, complex as Stephen King, uh, a little bit easier to understand, so, yeah, so I think I'm going to give Stephen King another try, especially in lieu of the Halloween season. Um, just haven't figured out what book to start with. So if anybody out there listening has any suggestions for me, any good books that they read, uh, you can actually leave a message on this, um, on, on any one of my podcasts. Like, you could, I think you could actually text me messages. I don't know how it works exactly. I'm pretty new to this, so 
But I do know that there should be, when you're listening, like an option to send the message or something. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Definitely something I would go see. Um, third one is... Oh, and I'm going to um, talk a little bit more about Stephen King's house uh, by the end of this podcast. Um, it's like, you know, I printed out a list of places but I'm highlighting this one. So I'll be back to talk about that. Um, third one is in York, Maine. Uh, it's the York Witch Grave. The Grave of Mary Nassen. Um, I'm assuming, I, like I said, I didn't really you know, delve into too much research on the, these places. Um, but I wanted to get some info out to you guys, so... But, um, I'm guessing she was a, a person who was thought to be a witch, or... I don't know. It's definitely, um, something I'm going to follow up with, because it sounds... Anything about witches and how, like, back in the day, way back in the day, how people got, you know, if you were, if you were a sinner, like, you know, they kind of, like, thought you were possessed with evil or something, you know, this is a lot of information out there, um, about supposed witches back in the day, um, so, yeah, I'm gonna look up the story of this Mary Nassen, um, okay, so the next one is, um, Freeport, Maine, um, the, the desert of Maine, a tiny patch of arid sand sits in one of the greenest states in the Union, so I guess, like, looks like a desert, I don't know, from the picture that's what it seems to me. Um, moving on. Um, in York, Maine, there's this bridge called the Wiggly Bridge. It'd be a daring thing to cross over. It's like a it's a walking bridge, but it's over over water, and I guess it wiggles. <laughs> uh, from the name, you know, that's just totally going by the name alone. I'm guessing it wiggles. Um, okay, so next one. Not really too much info on that one. Um, Pet Cemetery. That's in Hancock, Maine. So, Stephen King's book, Pet Cemetery. There is, and I always, I always did know this, um, there is an actual pet cemetery in Maine, where, I don't know how close his house is to that, or, you know, but, um, I guess this pet cemetery is what gave him his, his inspiration, um, for that book, uh, it's kind of like me, like, I, I need to be outdoors to, to kind of be inspired 
for my writing too. Like, you know, his, I forget the name of it. He has another book. Oh, the Sh I think it's The Shining. Um, where he was staying at a hotel and um, I don't know the whole story behind it, but this hotel gave him this inspiration for that um, that book. Uh, it's said to be a haunted hotel and all that kind of stuff. So, um, next I have, let's see. like another bridge um it is this one don't say where exactly it is um it's called P penobscot narrows bridge and observatory it's the first bridge observation tower in the u.s and it offers spectacular views of maine i guess that'd be a good place to go and take in the scenic foliage uh. okay this is called this next place is called the Kenneth E. Stoddard Shell Museum uh, the little description they have here says a son's promise to his dying father in the form of covered bridge filled with thousands of seashells um, yeah they seem to have like a lot of bridges covered bridges um, I think there was even I don't I'm not 100% sure so any movie buffs out there don't you know I'm not trying to be exact here but um, I think Bridges of Madison County I think that movie I've never seen it but I think that movie um, was filmed in the New England state somewhere um, yeah so it looks like they have a lot of historic bridges which is pretty is kind of neat um, this bridge let's see And it looks like each bridge tells a story. Um, the Artist Bridge. Uh, a, a new remain. Uh, after this artist died. It doesn't, it doesn't give the artist's name. Um, but after this artist died, the covered bridge um, still calls the mine the plain air painter. Oh. Okay, so, I don't know what the big deal is about that. I guess if you love art, that would be a big deal to you. Um, there's an... I'm trying to see what this name of this place is. Um, there's like a, um, a mill, a working wool mill that was used... I lost the name here. But um, it was used in a 1990 horror film, Graveyard Shift. I'd go see that. 
Let's see if there's any other. Oh, okay. Um, Bubble Rock, Mount Desert, Maine. Uh, it's a precarious balanced rock per- that perches on the edge of a cliff. Um, it was created tens of thousands of years ago by glacial erosion. Oh my god, like I bet people go to this, you know, go on a hike to this rock, and I bet you they take all kinds of pictures standing on it. I, it is like literally this big rock. It looks like a, like a big rock hanging off the cliff, like it could fall off any minute. <laughs> I'll view that from from a distance. Um, just trying to see if there's any other interesting pieces. Instead of going through all this, like it's just like a lot of a lot of unusual sights. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them. Okay, let me just conclude by, um, talking a little bit about Stephen King's house. Uh, he was born in Maine, uh, and he has used the setting for many of his stories, um, despite fame and wealth. He still lives there. Um, in a distinctive mansion that is just outside of downtown Bangor. I guess it's this mansion. Um, <clears throat> the houses in the neighborhood are still large and expensive looking, um, but they're close to the street, which is wide and easily acceptable. Um, public sidewalk, you know, winding throughout. Stephen King's house is uh, red with white trim towering and old enough, um, and it's, wait a minute, red and white trim towering and old enough to look historic. Okay, so I guess, I'm guessing it kind of stands out a little bit. It's, it's like, it's like a, um, normal residential uh, street, but you'll know Stephen King's house on, on the street. Like, you know, usually celebrities, they are, their houses are, like, back behind a forest or, like, what seems to be a forest or something. Like, you would never see if you're just, like, walking down the street or, like, taking a walk through the neighborhood. You never see them because they're, like, hidden very well. Well, I'm guessing that this, his house is on a normal street, but just the house itself stands out. Um, yeah, it's in full view of the street, not hidden, like most celebrities. Um, I think there's some celebrities that do actually live on regular residential streets, but you'll see, like, uh, iron wrought fences, you know, like high walls and stuff like that. But it doesn't seem like Stephen King's house is like that. Um, 
they do have, uh, he does have a small wrought iron fence that surrounds the property. But as I said, it's it's small. It's not like it's you know trying to cover anything up. Um, the the fence itself is most of what gives the house its Stephen King esque flair. <laughs> um, spiders, batwing creatures. Yeah, I would say his house. I would say his house probably stands out. <laughs> um, and a three-headed reptile decorate the black wrought iron. So yeah, definitely something neat to visit if you're in Maine. Well, that's all I have for my first episode back from my little disappearance. Um, hope it wasn't too awful, but I'll be back in full swing pretty soon. So everybody take care. Um, and like I said, if you have any questions for me or any suggestions on, on Stephen King books or anything like that, um, or you want to connect with me in some way, um, I do have a book that is on Amazon. If you have an interest in finding any information on that, I won't elaborate on, on it here. Um, it's, I will say that it's a travel romance um, book, uh, set in Brazil, um, so if that sounds interesting to you, hit me up, I will connect you to, uh, the book on Amazon. Thanks again, don't forget, get up, get out, and get traveling! Oh, and one last thing, um, I mentioned that this, um, my book was set in Brazil, um, my next episode is going to be on Brazil, so, um, I just wanted to add that little, that little tidbit of info, not really important, but I meant to say it, and I ended the podcast without saying it, so, alright, take care.